0: Hello,
1: gentlemen. How are you? I don't know. I don't know. Everyone else is back. Uh, yes, lost. we're
0: back. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to Two Legit to QT. I can Today see I am- Yes, we can see all I of you. I'm so. Too. Hello. Yes. I'm so excited today to talk with the cast and crew, producer, writers, directors, and actors of Stealing Chapman. Welcome to the show. I have Ken Bresser here. And Ken, you played the mob boss, and you're also one of the producers, correct?
2: That's correct. That's absolutely correct.
0: Welcome to the show. Paul, T- Paul Tancer, you are the director. Right. Uh, welcome to the nice? show.
3: Thank you very much.
0: And Simon and Doug, now, I hear there's a debate about the who wrote it. Some, like, you guys are brothers, but one has more credit. Tell me a little bit about that. I guess you were actor, of course, um, actors in the film, but also writers and producers.
2: Actually, Paul and I wrote it.
4: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, uh, yeah. I think Simon and Doug might, might be reconnecting, uh, just their connection there for a moment. There you go, they're back. Um, but the answer... Uh, Hold on, the answer we're going to... The, uh, the answer to that is that Simon um, kind of came up with the genesis of the story originally, because it's based on... Uh, it's inspired by a real story, real events. In 1977, Charlie Chaplin, his body was dug up by a pair of con men who tried to ransom it back to the family for money um, and ultimately they failed and they were caught by the police but this is a, it's a true story but you wouldn't believe it because it's such a sort of amazingly comedic right. idea that two this bumbling idiots strong. could actually dig up a, uh, a you know, see. A, a celebrity um, and so uh, what we did was uh, Simon kind of came up with the genesis of the idea and uh, and went to Doug with it and uh, Doug is a very talented writer, he works already in um, Full signal, in, in theater. Oh, Simon, terrible. Simon, I can hear you mustering to yourself. Yeah,
0: we can get- <laughs>
4: <laughs> hear. Simon.
0: It's okay. You can be your total, real, authentic yeah. self. No <laughs> worries. We're all trying to navigate this yeah. digital virtual virtual Zoom slash StreamYard space. I don't know how many platforms you guys have all been on, Zoom, StreamYard. <laughs>
4: Oh, you, you'll have you'll have to forgive Simon and Doug. You know, for them, this is all very new. You know, the the idea of the internet is a very new thing. So they're they're still getting they're still yeah. getting to grips with it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, wait, it's, uh, absolutely. We are all here. We go. We are all navigating um navigating this uh, this virtual space. I think everybody, at least in my experience, all of the events that I host. So I'm a host and actress. Um, And everybody always wants to have it all together, but that's the thing with technology. Um, It's very like perfectly imperfect. So we just roll with the punches. I mean, the film alone, you kind of have to roll with the punches. It was so hilarious first off. I really enjoyed it. I actually uh, watched it um, and watched it a few nights ago. And I just, I was like, is this really inspired by a true story? Because it seems like it's on the complete like end of farce that you wouldn't think that this would be like a real story. So you were telling me, Paul, earlier that um it actually is based off of a true story that they were trying to yes, ransom yeah. Charlie Chaplin's body.
4: Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry
0: go
2: ahead. ahead. I was gonna say two of them were, were not very smart, and so it was always fun to kind of think What were they doing? Because in the news reports, we really didn't know what were they saying to each other. Why did they do it? All those things, you know, were very fertile uh, areas for Doug to get involved with. So, so it it was a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. What was your like favorite moment on set? Because it just seemed like it was a blast to make. I mean, you guys are brothers. I see here Simon Simon and Doug. I just. How did you take everything so seriously? What would you, let's start by this. What would you say your favorite moment on set was?
3: Well, doing a movie with my dad is always um, a nice process because he's was all oh, in the father.
0: Movies,
3: yeah. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's <laughs> a nice protest. We're not actually related at all.
1: No.
0: Real, oh, really?
1: No, I, I never met him before the day I arrived in Vegas.
4: That's not true either. Wait, are they yeah. playing, you guys? So, <laughs> right. uh, so uh, in, in all honesty, uh, it it is a coincidence that both uh, they both have the same surname, but they're not related. Um, but, but, oh. but 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 we do know each other from before this film. Yeah.
0: Wow. But, but as
4: okay. you as you can tell as you can tell they know each other very well, which is why they act like a pair of annoying brothers uh, in real <laughs> life as well as uh, on camera.
0: Well, how did you develop that chemistry? Because you you do have, a, I mean, an amazing chemistry. There was a bit about the zodiac sign in the diner, and I was just falling out. And that's the way that like brothers or family that, that they have that banter. How did you guys create that chemistry between yourself? Or was it just organic?
1: It, I hate to say this. I, I really do. But it is totally organic. I, I, I first met Simon on location when a a different film producer made a film at my house. And I had to get on with him because I was told to be polite to the people that were there. And and because he was employed by someone else, he was actually quite nice. So we kind of thought each other were nice people that we could get on with. And then we kept making films together and wow. And we've just hated each other ever since basically. Liked
3: each other ever since. yeah, Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's,
0: uh... Well, I did see that on all of your IMBD profiles that you worked together on various projects. How have you been able to develop like authentic relationships in the entertainment industry? <laughs> you know,
2: let me, You know, I like I discovered Simon and Paul. Okay, and uh, I I was introduced to uh, to Simon through a mutual friend. I loved the stuff that they were doing. Uh, I love that uh, they they were serious filmmakers, uh, and uh, constantly trying to get better. And uh, believe it or not, we really do like each other a lot. Um, you know, outside of the business,
1: yes.
2: <laughs> we really we really we, we have a good time.
4: We we all drink. I I think, I, th- I, th- I think it helps that right. We take the work very seriously when we're doing it, and we work very hard. But we, we also enjoy ourselves a lot. And, you know, it, it's, if you can get to a point where you're going to work and you like the people that you're working with so much that it's not work, it's enjoyment, then you're in a very fortunate position. And I think that kind of uh, crosses over. That's, you know, and I, I think we managed to not make it self-indulgent or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, especially with, you know, when you're putting, pointing a camera at Doug and Simon, you can kind of see the chemistry that they've developed together. And, and it plays out naturally like that. I mean, Doug wrote a very good script and he kind of played on their natural chemistry when he was writing it, knowing that they would be playing the roles. But, you know, you can't, you know, it's like you can't bottle that kind of chemistry, I think. And you, you, you can't manufacture it, you know. Right. Absolutely. Doug, Doug, Doug,
2: Doug's script is fantastic. Doug, Doug. is very really good at the dialogue, you know. And I, um, when, right. I when I first got the script, you know, I was okay. Doug wrote this script, and you know, I'm gonna read this. And I was sitting home alone, and I, I was actually laughing out loud. And that, you know, when you read a lot of scripts, that doesn't happen very often. And uh, after I read it the first time, I, I said, We gotta make this tomorrow. I mean, it was fantastic.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's see, Paul, you know, this film had so many different characters, even the smaller roles. Were extremely funny and they, they had they played such a significant role in the storyline. Um, what was your experience directing such a large cast in such a in a comedic film like this?
4: Well, you know, uh, I think it's been I've heard it said before that ninety percent of good directing is casting, and if you can cast if you cast the right people in the right roles then a lot of it takes care of itself. So we were very fortunate that we had, um, we shot in LA, shot in uh, Las Vegas, but we could bring some people we knew from LA down, some actors we worked with before, like Al Sapienza and Peter Woodward. But also, Ken being uh, a Vegas resident, was very connected with local casting agencies and so forth. So we were able to cast a lot of the roles locally. And we went through a couple of days of that, and workshops and scenes with people. And I think you're, I'm I'm glad you said that, because you're right. It's important that you don't, uh, overlook the smaller roles. Sometimes when you're casting something, there could be a temptation to go. That role, uh, it's small. Well, it doesn't matter who we get. It we'll, we'll give a line to an extra, and you can end up actually harming yourself that way. Because if it doesn't work, you you end up cutting it out, and then you may as well have not filmed it, and then it's a waste of time and money. And so, and also you might lose some good jokes because you cut it out. So we took the time to cast as well as we could, locally. And um, yeah, we I think we were very fortunate. There was a local casting agency we worked with. Um, and, uh, and we found a lot of good local talent. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a, a, a good process, uh, especially casting for comedic stuff as well, because obviously not everyone has had experience with comedy or, you know, not everyone could do comedy that well. Um, so, yeah, we were very uh, fortunate in that regard, I thought.
2: You know, a big part of comedy is the timing. And Doug and, and Simon set the, the timing on everything, and it really helped. You know, the rest of the cast could feed off of their scenes.
1: Hey, and the
0: and, and your, your, oh, go the ahead. Time.
1: Whole chunks we had lived in that film. Yeah.
0: Well, that's what I was going to. That was my next question. I know that. um I know that um, we spoke to the director of uh, uh, Frankie Go Boom and he was, I had asked him the question, um, did, he let, did he let the actors just go? Because sometimes in comedic films, uh, it's ad-libbed and it's improv and then sometimes it's very scripted. So you're saying that you, you, some of the bits were just you guys, just going, total improv. Yep. Yeah. Do you have a background in improv? Me or him? Both of you.
1: I don't, no. I I. I come from a theatre background, but, but mm-hmm. straight and very serious drama. Like, mm-hmm. I never did comedy, ever. Um, I wrote one comedy for the theatre once, but it, it didn't really work. So it wasn't until this one that I returned to doing anything comedic whatsoever. It was mm-hmm. just he had such a good idea. And because of my theatre background, I'm good at dialogue, so th- those two meshed. But the thing is, because we do work together a lot, I do production design for their company. And me and him are all day when he's working as a producer and actor. We we are these guys. We really are. So it it wasn't a big stretch, let's put it that way. Well, most of the movie
3: is like, right, this scene is you two arguing. You're like, well, it's going to be okay. (laughs) Okay, cool,
1: cool.
0: (laughs) I mean, and, you know... um... Doug, the the nuances and the dialogue was it was really funny for me when you were in the movie theater and you're just watching the movie and you're just having that dialogue. And I'm just sitting here like,
3: well, well, that, that's
1: one, one of the examples of Yeah, yeah, that wasn't even there, was it? No, totally ad libbed that scene. Like <laughs> we sat down, he had the idea to shoot the scene. We sat down. I'm like, I haven't written this. He said, Do you? I said, Okay. So I just started this whole thing
0: about what do you mean it's silent? I can hear music. And it just went on from there. Yeah. I really liked it though because it, it made me very nostalgic to like old school Hollywood. I don't know, just something about the imagery in that scene, even though it was funny, um, it just made me think of, you know, the Great Depression, people going to watch movies and that's all that they could do in the golden age of Hollywood. And just but you're sitting here having this conversation that's completely out of pocket. <laughs> But the, I but the I, cinematography I, I, was very beautiful I, in I that think, moment. I think often,
4: often people, when watching Simon and Doug, will experience a great depression.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say that, but you know, I let you because it was long hanging. <laughs>
0: Um, you said you were a production designer, um, Doug. The part, um, when you guys put the British flag over the um, yeah. coffee, <laughs> and then it became a coffee table, I was like, that's really smart, um, and very purposeful. Um, did was that your decision because of your background, or? Well, was-
1: I, I I wrote it in the script, but ultimately it's yeah. their decision. They they're the production company. Doug was only insistent that we wear Union Jack underwear.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's very nice.
1: important. <laughs> yeah. because I, I, wanted, I wanted to save on costume costs and just use my own <laughs> gear. <you know>? Wow.
0: <laughs> so, uh, let's see, guys. Did you film this dur- pre pandemic or during the pandemic?
2: Uh, November, uh, November 2019. So, we were really fortunate as, as a production company to have a you know, a film, a feature film in the can, uh, you know, going into the pandemic shutdown. Um, Mm -hmm. It was something to work on. And thank, you know, and we were very happy that it was, uh, I think, a very very good film. And uh, we also got the uh, theatrical release, which for an independent is a big deal um, to open in theaters. You know, again, people weren't rushing to theaters then, but we were in theaters in at least 20 states. And, uh, you know, to, to be able to say, well, we opened the week after Kevin Costner's movie opened. Wow, that, that's that's pretty neat for an independent uh, film production you, Which obviously
3: turned out to be a very poor decision because people decided to see Kevin Costner first. Me yeah. <laughs> and Doug were invited to a premiere and we went into the Kevin Costner movie.
1: Oh wow. Oh, good. It's
3: very good. You should see that movie rather than this.
1: also also it played in cinemas in England and a lot of my family and my old friends from there actually went to see it, but went to see me on screen and I got all these messages saying, Wow, you never did grow up, did you?
0: Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's that's really fascinating because uh, I we've spoken to a lot of um, producers, a lot of filmmakers on on the show, and um there's there's been a need, especially in the pandemic, for content, um because people that's all that they were doing they were just binge watching content. So a lot of filmmakers who had something in the canon to distribute, um their they their the comments that I've been getting back is that people were ready to receive it more than ever because of the need for content were there any obstacles that you faced in like dis- distribution or um do you think that uh the release your film being released in the pandemic that it was better that it was released during the pandemic and that this is like a mouthful that i'm a- that i'm asking you but um i don't know if i'm being I, I, I'm-
4: no, I, I know what you're. I know what you're saying. I think there's 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 a flip side to that. One is that this is a low budget indie film that is made primarily mm-hmm. for the home entertainment market. So when we made it, it was always going to be for digital and DVD if DVD was still alive, which it kind of it still is a bit. Because of the okay. pandemic, we were able to get a theatrical release because the movie theaters were pulling um, the uh, studios were pulling their um, movies from the schedule. So there was a gap opening up. Now on the flip mm-hmm. side of that is we we got it into um, movie theatres, but obviously less people were going to see it. So we got an audience, but it didn't get Kevin Costner's audience, but then even Kevin Costner's audience was less than it would have been. So, you know, on the one one hand, the audiences weren't the biggest because it was a pandemic, but on the other hand, we wouldn't have got a theatrical release if it hadn't been one. So I think it's still, for a film of this, um, you know, for a small independent film, it's still a feather in the cap to get a theatrical release. So it's something we're... You know, from a professional point of view, we're thankful for. Obviously, if we could not have a pandemic on planet Earth, that would be great. But in terms of the film, we're very pleased to have been able to um, get it, um, get that. In terms of it actually affecting any any process, I think we were all kind of doing the post-production remotely. So as Ken said, we Mm -hmm. shot it pre-pandemic, and then it it was in post-production whilst things were happening. And so we were doing things like the editor was... um, the editor who was based in LA would do a cut and then send it to us. So we would watch it in Canada or the UK or Wisconsin or wherever, uh, and then feedback. So, and we would have things like actors doing, uh, recording new lines on their phone, but like, you know, surrounded by, surrounded by their cushions on their sofa. Cause they're making a little <laughs> recording studio, that kind of thing. Um, so there was a sort of, you know, the, the independent, uh, spirit kind of had to carry on through that. Uh, but then we managed to get a theatrical release. So, you know, Holds
0: the ends well. Wow, that's that's amazing. That's like perseverance, right there. Like how how were you all able to stay motivated to see this out through completion, especially in the pandemic? I know a lot of people uh, that we've spoken to on the show. A lot of their projects just completely shut down.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, again, we were lucky. We had nothing else to do, and uh, we had, and we
0: had. <laughs> I'm not dealing with you <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's like it's the kind of motivation, you know. Uh, uh, but, you know, what a fortunate turn of events. And uh, now, with this re release, if you will, you know, to the uh, streaming market, the DVD market, we're really hoping that a lot of people uh, notice the film.
0: I think they definitely will. Um, I know a lot of um, filmmakers have just, and even we spoke to um, Devin Boyd. He, um, um, I forget which company he works for, but he does um, film finance. And he was saying how right now the need for content is just enormous. But because people are just digesting content more than ever. So and, and, and looking for something funny, like feel good content specifically, because the world is so difficult right now. It's like, I understand psycho thrillers, but. I just want to escape, you know, and I think that filmmaking at the end of the day is escapism. It's escapism to whatever world you want to go to. And for you all, you created this uh this hilarious world where um, you know, Charlie Chaplin's body was going to be ransomed and it and it, and it honestly is fantastic. I think a lot of people, comedy is doing very well. Very well, very well. Right. Uh, let's see what advice can you give filmmakers who are trying to make Films in the pandemic in this climate.
2: Well, <laughs> you know we it's, it's scary.
0: Wait, Simon and Doug, what's going on?
2: It's it's scary because from a uh, a producer standpoint, um, you know, you've got to test your your crew and your cast, and uh, uh, what is it? Every three days, Simon is what they're recommending now, and that starts. Oh, Three days before, and it continues on through the shoot. And unfortunately, if someone comes up positive, you've got to make some tough decisions to make. They can be very, very expensive. Right. Uh, and if you're an independent, uh, the last thing, the last word you want to hear as an independent is expensive. Um, and uh, and so it is a little scary. So you know, I would say you know, limit, limit your shooting days. You know, limit your sets. Uh, work with a smaller cast, make sure they obey the rules. You know, they, you can't have them out at night. All of a sudden, some what? some minor actor uh, comes up positive, and unfortunately, him or her has been in, you know, 15 scenes.
0: Mm.
2: What do you do now? You, you, everybody sits around and waits. So um, uh, it, it, it is a bit challenging
4: if there's any filmmakers who are currently not able to be shooting things because they're finding there's less work, work productions are shut down and that kind of thing use this time now to uh, for the things that you wouldn't normally have time to do so if you're a writer you should be writing stuff or you should be reading stuff so you're, better, you're getting better at writing if you're an actor, you try and find some online uh, classes so you're keeping things fresh. You know, if, you're, if you are if if you you just bought a camera or if you've got a camera sitting in the in the cupboard that you haven't used in ages, go out and, and play with it and get to know the settings and learn how to do things with it. Use the time to train and, you know, refresh skills if you're not choosing stuff. That's what I would say. Yeah, what do you do if you're a director? That's a good question. You, you, you buy a lot of books uh, on directing from Amazon and read them. <laughs> I I've, I've actually written three me, I must do that at some point. What?
1: <laughs> I've actually written three films in the past year during the pandemic. one of which got go. made, which is the reason I laugh, because it's a psycho thriller.
0: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> um we were speak I spoke to Jordan Roberts of um uh, Frankie Go Boom, and he was saying he's been reading The Artist Way because his son is also an actor, and he suggested it. And he said, back in the day, I would have thought I would have thought that this was just hockey puck, but I actually really like it. And he said, you know, it's really important, uh to do things that he said. Yes, you know, uh he did March of the Penguins with Disney and whatnot, and he was saying it's really important to put food on the table and feed the machine, but and he. When he was reminiscing, he said that he wish he would have spent more time in his down period creating films like Frankie Go uh 321 Frankie Go Boom that fed his like artistry and his soul. And so it's amazing that you're that you wrote three three um three films in the three scripts in the pandemic. That's awesome. And some thank people did, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I
1: was just saying thank you. Actually, one of them's for them. Oh, <laughs>
3: What, what, one of them is a, a follow-up to "Stealing Chaplains. And hopefully, if you liked that, oh, we've got a bit bigger. Am I allowed to say this, chaps?
4: I think sure, no,
3: you can say. No, yeah. I'll, I'll let you. "Stealing Elvis."
0: Okay, I like that. I like that. Now, is that going to be based off of uh, inspired by Trevis, or we just made that up?
2: Kind of. Kind um, of. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis was first buried, uh, not in Graceland. Uh, and there was some uh, evidence and uh, an FBI uncovered a plot to the tamper, they call it, mm. with his grave, which is why he eventually, his his uh, remains were eventually taken to Graceland. So in a way, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Oh,
0: wait, I do have one, one more, oh, go ahead.
4: I was going to say, but apart from that, it's all going to be fiction. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I but can't wait
1: to see it. These are highly successful grave robbers. Exactly. Don't forget. These guys, yeah,
2: really. these
0: guys
1: are smart. Like, really smart. Very smart. Very, very smart.
0: Yeah. How yeah. much
2: <laughs> did you get off a of Chaplin's heist?
0: <laughs> comedic, the comedic duo. I, um, I was like, oh, they have Wayne Newton in this movie? I just got really excited. As soon as I saw Wayne Newton, I was like, they have Wayne Newton in this movie? movie i don't know i associate with i associate him with everything Vegas. i don't know yeah. why yeah. I,
3: so he, exactly. wayne newton is the nicest guy on the planet nicest guy in showbiz nicest guy on the planet he helped yeah. us. in fact wayne newton and his whole family are in this his daughter's in it but in the way, was... his uh his wife is in it playing the news reporter we filmed oh, wow. uh um we filmed in wayne newton's backyard as the cemetery scene. So when we're digging up Charlie Chaplin's actual coffin, that's in Wayne Newton's backyard because Las Vegas wouldn't give us a film permit to actually exhume a body, even though we weren't really exhuming a body. Uh, so Wayne stepped in at the last minute and said we could use his place and his his backyard, as he said it was a very impressive twenty seven acre horse ranch, you know, like it wasn't a backyard that anybody else would
1: call and he let us have that. He saved the day. And the funny thing was we used his guest house for hair and makeup and Simon and I was standing around and we suddenly oh, burst yeah. out laughing because Wayne's got a statue of Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> 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 well, I guess funny. that's what they
0: call fate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. I love that. It seems like, I mean, even Wayne Newton doing specifically independence, I've been a production coordinator for a few independent films and you know, it's, in my experience, it's been it's really important for there to not be any ego, and for people who, even if they are highly successful, just seeing them like roll up their sleeves. We sp- I spoke to Mike Manning, who um, was a producer of a film called Slap Slapface, uh, with uh, director Jeremiah Kip, and he said at one point the the they were filming a scene and their car got, got stuck in the mud. <laughs> And he said he just went in and helped, like, hit the the car, like, help get the car out of the mud. And I'm like, "This is a star." He's like, "He's one of the stars. He's one of the producers." But he just was committed to getting the job done. So it's amazing that you've all been able to surround yourself.
1: When When it came to (laughs) digging the grave, Simon started the grave. We've run out of time. Paul Paul supervised, and I've got blisters.
0: See? See? You're not afraid yeah.
2: to roll your sleeves up and get dirty. <laughs> that's right. You know, and it's not, from what I understand, you know, you got to realize it was a six-foot, you know, deep hole in the ground. Uh, you know, that's not something you could do in ten minutes. Right. Exactly. It
4: did take no Yeah. It, it, it yeah. was, was six-foot deep, so when Simon was stood in it, it went a full foot over his head. <laughs> right.
3: Right. Yeah. That is so rude. And accurate. I've never been more insulted in my life. Excuse me.
0: (laughs) 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 He can't get up. (laughs) Yeah. I I think I want to be on set for the next film just to be around (laughs) the energy. I think this laughter will be the best medicine
2: for
0: me. Yeah, definitely. You two down there.
2: But uh, no, it was. Uh, how was digging, Paul?
0: I'm sorry. Pa,
2: how was how was the digging? Was
0: oh.
2: was it tough?
4: The, the, the digging. I mean, uh, yeah, it was. It wasn't the easiest thing because we were doing it with shovels and pickaxes. Um, uh, but but it looked good on camera, and we got deep enough down that it, you know, it was convincing. And lot of weed, Paul. Yeah, weed. Lot of weed
3: there.
4: It's the it's the it's the collective weed. Um, but most importantly, we managed to uh, run away before um, Wayne Newton saw what we'd done to his lawn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a big, big plus.
0: Wow! Wow! <laughs> um, well, gentlemen, I know that we are coming to an end of our of this this show. It has really been a pleasure talking to you. I already knew this was going to be funny when I watched the show. I was like, this is going to be fun. This is going to be a lot of fun, this interview. And you all have exceeded my expectations. Um, You're you're so hilarious. First off, congratulations for stealing Chapman. I've looked up all of you, and you're all doing such amazing things. So please continue to shine your light in this world and share laughter because we all need it, especially in this pandemic. Thank you so much for coming on the Show and I wish you the best of luck in the future.
2: Thanks, thank thank so Claire. We'll be there. Thank, thank you. you.
0: You're welcome. You. And I'm gonna check out your vampire series, Paul. I check. I'm gonna check that out. <laughs> check that out too.
4: Yes, The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. Yes,
0: yes. I love it. Thank you very All much. Right, my
4: series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: thank you.
4: Forget these other people. <laughs> so well. Anyway. <laughs> no, no 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 thank you very much no do check it out I hope you enjoy it it's really we're very proud of it so do yeah thank you
0: all right gentlemen have a good day thank bye you thank you thank you bye you're welcome